welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Ah, yeah. I absolutely love that song. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. And just in case you're wondering, and I always get emails about this, uh, that tune that you heard, no, it is not available anywhere. As a matter of fact, it's not even available on iTunes. It was a song that was written by, um, you know, Nick Johnson, who was started out with the Dr. Pat Show as an intern and became an employee and now is off in California doing sound and engineering work and traveling with bands and doing what he loves. And we so appreciate that that song is something that he paid forward to let us use because it is one of those songs. Every once in a while, I play the whole thing so that you could hear what it is. And so it's one of those really cool songs that was done by some very talented people uh, that were in touch with their hearts, in touch with what they thought was important to them and continue to do that. Today's show is about that. You know, we have heard a lot recently about what it means to be connected to our heart, to our passion, to our purpose. And it seems to be the conversation that is happening quite often in the media and in genre these days. People are looking for that thing which seems to be so elusive for them. It is that thing that we call our purpose, our passion. It is that thing that we call love or lack of lostness but the point is this you know what is it that we're actually experiencing in this life is it truth or is it an illusion you know what have we been so meant to believe what's interesting about the show is that linda who is my best friend and producer has lined up today all of the shows today all of the hours that i've been on air so far have been an exploration of truth in some way. Earlier today, you know, we got to talk with some people about what is true in terms of what we know about toxics that are put on our skin. What do we know about healing and pain? And so what do we know about what's going on on the outside of our bodies? But more importantly, what do we need to know internally for ourselves? Today's show is really about that. I'm so thrilled and I'm honored to have a very special guest joining us here today, Um, an author, but more than an author, you know, someone that is on a mission and has just written a book called Walking Through Illusion. I so love this book and so often I usually pull um, one of the totems or representational symbols of illusion and I've often wondered I wonder why, Pat, that I keep I keep picking these symbols that talk about illusion. And so what does this mean for my very special guest, Betsy Otter Thompson? What Hi. does this mean for her? Why is this book 
about walking through illusion, Jesus speaks of the people who shared his journey so important. It is an, it is an emotional book. It is a telling book. And it really is an invitation. Betsy, thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, Pat. I'm thrilled to be here. So I want to have you introduce yourself in kind of a way that I love to bring people on. There's so much I could say about you, your accomplishments, and, you know, where you've worked and what you've done um, in, in terms of your corporate career. But here's the question that I would love to ask you, and I have a feeling we're going to hear about some of that. Given all that you've done and all that you are, what are some of the challenges what are some of the obstacles that you personally have had to overcome to bring you to this very moment? I guess the biggest obstacle, I would say, has been learning about forgiveness. I think that's the biggest challenge I've had. Um, mm. I learned that it doesn't matter how justified you feel for the feelings you have, that the universe doesn't recognize justification. It recognizes emotion. So whatever emotion you have, in your heart or you're putting out into the universe, it's going to come back to you. So, I I mean, I, I learned that, you, that I don't forgive people for their sakes. I forgive them for my sake because mm. I'm the one who's going to benefit if I do the forgiving. I mean, they can either accept the forgiven or not. It, means, it either means something to them or it doesn't. But me, I'm the one who's going to benefit if I do the forgiving, and that's probably been my hardest challenge because I felt I had a lot of things to forgive people for. So... Um, that's probably also when I learned to do that, to forgive and to take responsibility for my life, that was the turning point of my life. In the book, you asked the question about baptism, and I, I would like to just jump right in here so that we can give people an understanding what this, you know, what some of this is about. But thank you for sharing that. You ask a question uh, in, in the book that is, it, this is the question. You ask, was baptism about forgiveness? Um, uh and I wanted to ask you about that because baptism in so many ways is so symbolic. Uh, but I wanted to ask you about this this journey that you talk about in terms of baptism and Jesus and forgiveness. Yeah, and well, I mean, the book says, that in the book, the answer I got to that question was that baptism is about whatever feelings are going on during the process. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, I mean, everything, the whole book is about the idea that uh, whatever we see, hear, smell, taste, and touch is illusion. And whatever we feel about whatever we smell, taste, touch, or feel is reality. So our reality is really what we are feeling as we live our lives. I mean, when you think about your childhood, Pat, you remember the times when you felt strong emotion. So that's the history that you really remember. There's, I'm sure there's thousands of days you have no recollection of at all, but you remember the things that you felt. You remember that what there are strong feelings around, either strong feelings of love or strong feelings otherwise. But that's what you remember. So that's what I mean. When I believe, when you leave here, we don't take our beliefs with us when we leave here. We take the we take the love we found from having them. So it's all about that idea that the illusion is just we're just it's like a game we're playing to see uh, whether we can find the love in the game we're playing. Mm. So the book and and the book that uh, that we're referring to tonight, for those of you who just tuned in, uh, Betsy Otter Thompson is joining me here today. Walking through illusion, uh, the title is intriguing by itself. But once I actually sat down and I read it, it really wasn't what I expected. It was so much more. I wanted to ask you if you would share with our listeners 
the, not just about the title of the book, beyond what the book was about, how you came to write it. Well, I, that's a long story, and it begins with how the gift began when I was when I was young. Did you want to hear how that? How yes, that absolutely. Well, I was around I was around five, and um, to the best of my knowledge, it was around five. And my mother was always talking about uh, her grandmother, who she was very fond of, and kept telling me how much I looked like her. And she would say this over and over and again. And I remember thinking, well, you know, it was a definite asset that looked like somebody that my mother really loved so much. And so I thought to myself that I would talk to her at night and see if I could find out other things about her. And so I, I did one night. And, and the, the fact that a voice responded to me seemed perfectly natural to me. I mean, nobody told me I couldn't do it. So I had no reason to believe I couldn't. And so... Um, I had these conversations for a couple of weeks, and I was enjoying them, and I was thinking, well, you know, everybody must do this. If I can do it, everybody can do it. So I went to my older sister, who was two years older, and I said, you know, I told her what I was doing, and I said, and who do you speak to? Well, her reaction, you know, was sort of my indication of how the rest of the world was going to react to this because she was, she was, uh, you know, teased me unmercifully for weeks about it. And so she, she didn't, she made me feel so horrible. I was so traumatized by it that I thought, you know, if other people find out about this, they're going to treat me the same way. So I stopped talking. And it was over for, um, uh, until I was around nine. And then, um, Ouija boards came out as a big hot new board game, you know, hot new family game, and and we got a board like everybody else. And my sisters and I were sort of intrigued because we were sort of at the age where haunted houses were the thing to be interested in, and so we we all start you know started playing this game. And I remember that the board start that that pointer started moving around, and and we all you know being skeptical started accusing each other of moving it around and. And um, it was like we just didn't take it too seriously. And then my sisters got bored with the game because it was excruciatingly slow for three active children. And I was the only one with this board again, you know, <laughs> asking questions. And, and, and so I, then I panicked because I thought this is what I got teased for before. So I stopped playing too. And I just forgot about it completely until I was, you know, much older. And my, my older, I was living in California and my older son was there. And I was telling him the story about the Ouija board, and we were laughing over it, and he was thinking it was so funny. Well, as a, as a joke, my son gets me a Ouija board for my birthday. Oh, wow. So I, so I said to him, I said, you know, this is a game that has to be played by two or more people, so you have to come over and you have to play it with me. So reluctantly, he agreed, and we sat down, and it took us four hours, you know, going from letter to letter and then separating the letters to get one sentence. And it was a gorgeous sentence you know something like um in all that you do think and feel you are the love of god forever so it was like really mm. beautiful but my son said you know i i'm not doing this again so if you want to do it by yourself it's up to you and so the next day i sat down with it by myself and the first message i got was welcome home and i was mm. like totally hooked after that but now the, the, the gift has come you know has gone through a great long process and after you know, it's like anything. When you're mastering anything, you go through steps. And I went from going from letter to letter to going to word to word, and then I went from word to word going to sentence to sentence. And so now I don't even use the Ouija board, but it was how I got started. It was what started me, and um, I started writing down. I started asking questions and writing them down. And when I knew I could do this, I thought, well, what is it I really want to know? 
And I had always been curious about Jesus and whether I, what I'd heard was true, whether the stories that I'd heard were true. And so I, yes. started, I started asking questions, and that's what developed into these three books that I've been writing. This is the second book of the trilogy, so that's what happened. That's how I got started. Well, I love your story, and the reason I bring it up and I wanted to share it with everyone is, and I don't know if you knew this uh, about me as well, when I was seven years old, I was in Catholic boarding school, and I actually got thrown out of Catholic boarding school, and pretty much for one reason and one reason only, really, at the time, or at least this is what my parents told me. Um, you know, my stepmom actually just put her foot down about it because I was I was sure that there was another version of what Jesus had to say. <laughs> if you know anything about Catholicism, that does not come from a seven-year-old. Right. So I, I, I wanted everybody to hear your story, and I wanted to ask you, after we come back from break, I wanted to ask you how you would define your relationship with Jesus okay. and what it means to you. Because so many people that would look at this book and maybe listening to this may have an interpretation of whether this is a religious book or not. And I want to, I want to, you know, to explore that with you to share what this journey has been like. Let's take a short break. You're listening to the Dr. Pat Show. Joining me here today is Betsy Otter Thompson. The book is Walking Through Illusion. When we come back, you're going to hear a lot more about the book. You're also going to hear that we're going to, we're going to, we're going to take a look at some of the questions in here as well. And you'll get to determine for yourself what the meaning is here, what the lessons are, and what are some of the unanswered questions. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive by. Is your soul thirsty for love this Valentine's Day? Fill it up with Aqua Mantra's I Am Loved Water and feel the love with every conscious sip. You attract love into your reality when you're overflowing with love from within. Pick up a case of Aqua Mantra's award-winning premium natural spring water that flows from the abundant streams of Mount Palomar, California. Now in our brand new biodegradable and recyclable bottles. On sale at aquamantra.com forward slash I am loved. And know you are loved. Are you concerned about a specific health issue? Do you want to know what causes it? Are you ready to tap into the inner wisdom of your body and listen to what it is telling you? It's a scientific fact that your health condition, present circumstance, and excess weight are not the result of your diet, exercise regime, or genetic makeup. Your thoughts, feelings, and emotions all directly and specifically influence all your body functions, including heart rate, digestion, and organs. Anger is stored in the liver, resentment is stored in the gallbladder, and lack of support shows up in your back. Our bodies give us clues to how we have been thinking, feeling, and acting. Dr. Cal specializes in interpreting these clues, ignites your inner healer, and guides you step-by-step to continuous, positive, and lasting health changes. When you change your mind, you change your life. Get in your driver's seat today. Visit AskDrKel.com. That's A-S-K. D-R-K-E-L.com. Ladies, are you living an inspired life? Do you yearn for a more passionate, dream-filled life? Here's Linda Joy, founder of Aspire Magazine, and she has a gift for you. Aspire has launched its Mission to Inspire initiative with a commitment to give away 100,000 one-year digital subscriptions to women around the globe. Every subscription comes with a multitude of free gifts from our team inspiration partners. To claim it all, go to AspireMag.net today. No purchase necessary and live an inspired life. 
Ready to manifest your heart's desire? Want to know the secret to navigating life's in-between times with confidence and skill? Ready, Set, Manifest with Life Coach Debbie Lacey offers real tools to coach yourself through the in-betweens and leaps in life. Say goodbye to being stuck and hello to Ready, Set, Manifest. Visit theinspiredcoach.com and join the next Ready, Set, Manifest telegathering. You're not lost. You're getting ready. Visit theinspiredcoach.com. E-Cloth, the only cleaning solution you'll ever need. E-Cloth's fiber function does the cleaning, not a chemical reaction. Also, no paper towels or chemicals to buy, so you'll save lots of money. And E-Cloths are guaranteed to thoroughly clean for years. The whole time, safer for you, your family, the environment, and saving you lots of money. As a Dr. Pat Show listener, get 20% off everything you order and free shipping. Go to ecloth.com, and when checking out, enter Dr. Pat. You'll never go back to cleaning any other way. Reach your full potential and increase energy with the superfood of the Inca, Maca Magic. Maca naturally balances hormones, relieves symptoms of PMS, menopause, and erectile dysfunction. Maca increases energy, stamina, and endurance without caffeine. Visit macaroot.com. That's M-A-C-A root.com. Call 541-846-6222. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. Products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Nishama Living, where your optimal health begins with awareness, grows with knowledge, flourishes with proactive solutions, and is practiced as a way of life. Nishama Living is dedicated to wholeness of body, mind, and spirit. The Nishama Living Hour is coming to the Dr. Pat Show. Get ready to regain your natural balance. Take control of your health and vitality and build your foundation for wellness with Nishama Living on the Dr. Pat Show. Remember, for our dogs and cats to live long and happy lives, just like people, they are what they eat. Wellness carefully selects wholesome ingredients to create food you can trust to provide the foundation of your pet's well-being. True wellness means every ingredient has a purpose in every recipe they make. You can trust the quality of all ingredients in wellness from their source to your pet's bowl. Visit wellnesspetfood.com to find a pet specialty retailer near you. Wellness Natural Food for Pets, where true wellness begins. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. Hey, and I'm your host. If you want to find out more about me or you want to find out more about the Dr. Pat Show and all of the really cool things we're up to, Go to our website, drpatlive.com. That's drpatlive.com or the drpatshow.com. Uh, today, I am so thrilled to be talking with Betsy Otter Thompson. I want to make sure that if you want to find out more about Betsy in the book, you can definitely go to her website, which is betsythompson.com. That's betsythompson.com. Not only has this been an extraordinary journey for her, you know, uh, this being the writing of this book, and the the journey that she went through to write it. But this is really a book that invites you to not only ask questions, but really question some of the things that you may or may not have intuitively felt in your life. Betsy, thank you for joining me here today. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Pat. Thrilled to be here. So I wanted to talk with you a little bit. This is what I kind of said during the break. I mean, you know, there's so much in the book that people – 
can absorb. And what I mean by that, I think it says somewhere in the book, that this is the kind of book you want to keep by your table. And so that you really tackle some incredible topics, everything from uh, obstacles, morality, advice, truth, curiosity, all of that. And you're having this conversation, or at least it seems like to me, you're having this conversation um, with Jesus. And I, I wanted to ask you, what was the process for you like to be in this place where you were comfortable in asking some of the questions that you ask, or did it happen automatically for you? Well, I mean, I think sometimes that, sometimes I think that the, the questions were inspired as well as the answers. Um, mm. But it's hard for me to know because the whole process just feels so wonderful from the beginning to the end. I mean, it's my favorite thing to do is to sit down and write and to ask these questions. But um, when you mentioned before what kind of a relationship it is, it's a personal yes. relationship. It's a, it's um, uh, it's something that ha- it has nothing to do with religion and it has nothing to do with the Bible. Um, it's about people who lived. I mean, the questions are about asked to you know talk about people who lived long before Christianity began. So it really. Um, you know, people get the wrong idea when they think it, what you said you was completely different from what you expected just because probably it was about Jesus. And so people expect it to be about Christianity, but it is not. And the book has, makes no attempt to preach, um, preach religion. Uh, uh, it's, it's just, it's a book for anyone who, um, is interested in their spirituality. And, um, you know, that doesn't attempt to agree or disagree with the Bible. It merely presents one way of looking at Jesus' life and those around him. And the purpose of the book is not to debate who is right or who is wrong about what happened then. The purpose is to encourage people to live as what is right for them now. So that's that's what I feel. You know, I ask questions that I want to know the answer to. And um, so that's, that's how the whole book was written because... Um, you know, I asked a question, I got an answer, and then I brought up another question, and so I asked the next question, and that's how the whole book evolved. And, um, you know, I feel like I can talk to Jesus anytime I want to. I, I just, uh, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's Jesus coming to us. I think it's us going to him. I think it's true with any spirit. You know, you go to, you can, I think spirit's just waiting around for us to ask questions. Exactly. <laughs> waiting, around, wait, waiting around to help us if, we are, if we're only willing to ask. Yeah, instead of us walking around dazed and confused yeah, and wondering, I mean, you know, not only what the the question, what are the answers, but what the questions are. I mean, I really think that you know the way that you've approached this and and the opening that you've created is really an opening that provides answers and solutions right now in a world actually that doesn't believe there are answers and the solutions. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, honestly, looking, yeah, I mean, emailed me before the show and they said. You know, why don't, why don't we ask Jesus what Jesus would do about the economic situation? And I thought, well, that's a great question. Um, well, because I, you talk about you what he would a say chapter in the book in the, on obstacles. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's in the next book. It's about, you know, if you, if you want to, to have an, a prudent government, you have to live prudently. Mm. It's all about uh, the, the, the idea of everything reflecting back and forth. If, if the, the government is imprudent with money, the, the people who are living under that government are imprudent with money. I mean, that's what this, this recent crash is all about, people spending money they don't have, and then the government spending money it doesn't have. So, I mean, if you, you can't change the government, you can't change the world, you can only live as you wish the government would. So if you wish the government was living prudently, you need to live prudently. 
And it's all connected, just like just like so much of what you yeah. talk about. In the book, there are conversations, and, and I want to just talk for a minute about the different conversations you have in a book. I call them conversations, and they're chapters. But so, for example, one of the chapters or conversations, you know, has to do with obstacles. Did you actually come up with the things that were most important to you or things that were on your mind? Was that the starting point for you? Because it almost sounds like you, you didn't necessarily have to control this. You were guided. Yes, I was guided. But everything, I don't think you can read, you can write about something that you haven't somehow emotionally experienced in, a, in some sort of a way. I agree. Um, because I had many obstacles, emotional. I mean, the whole book is about that the, that the picture is not the obstacle. It's the emotion that's attached to the picture that's, emo- that's the obstacle for you. That the picture is just there as a, um, as a gift to, to uh, help you grow. So it's, it's the obstacle. Getting through the picture is not an obstacle you have to overcome in the picture. It's something you have to overcome within yourself. One of the things that you, that really points to that is some of the conversations that, you know, you talk about regarding beliefs. And I want to talk for a minute about beliefs and the chapter on beliefs. The reason that this, this has kind of come up, uh, you know, in the conversation today is there's been so much that has been put out there these days about what beliefs are and what they're not. And you also talk about um, how important beliefs are. You ask the question, how important are beliefs? And I want to ask you. Share with us what the conversation that you had with Jesus was about regarding beliefs, and are they important? Well, um, I think it's more about how you feel about your beliefs. I mean, I don't mm. think you, you don't. As I said before, you don't take your beliefs with when with you when you leave here. You take the love you found from having them. So I don't think it matters what you believe as long as you love your beliefs. I mean, I, I don't think it's a matter of who's right or who's wrong. It's what's right for you. Mm. What, right, what your heart sings to, whatever makes your heart sing, is what you should be believing. Mm. I mean, I, would you, if you would, if, I've always used this wonderful analogy that um, if I was in a room full of people who believed something I didn't believe, do I want them to believe what I believed or do I want to be in the room with people who are happy with what they believe? Mm. I mean, if you're spending your, all your time trying to convince people to believe what you believe, you, you, are, you aren't going to be a very happy person because people resist that. But if you're with people who are happy in their beliefs and, and they're happy in your beliefs, then everybody's happy. I, you know? Exactly right. But, boy, we do, we do keep trying to get grapefruit from that hardware store, don't we? <laughs> you know, I know a little bit about that myself, if I do say. Yeah. I was really struck by the question, how did Paul define a miracle? I was struck by the answer, and the answer was eventually he saw it as a thought transformation. Yes. And then you go on to have a conversation about that. Would you share with the listeners what a thought transformation is? It's an, idea, it it's an idea that goes from resistance to love. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a resistance to a resistance to love. In other words, when you have something happen to you in your life, you can either resist it or you can welcome it into your life and find the love it has to offer. Now, this is a lot of what my life is about. Um, resisting for so long um, what had happened to me, what I was doing in my life. I was working uh, in in California and I was, I almost, you know, I was like, I just did a blog today that was about um, 
I was a phone call away from being a bag lady. And mm-hmm. I was. I had gotten myself in this terrible place where I was had no money. I was away from family. I, I, I was struggling to survive. I was temping and, and not making ends meet. And I was resisting the idea that... Um, that I should get a job as a secretary because I had gone to college and I thought I hadn't, you know, I hadn't gone to college to be a secretary. And so I it was like all of a sudden when I started the writing, I decided, you know, like the, a week after I was into the writing, I said to myself, well, if I'm going to be a secretary, I have to get a job to support myself because I'm doing this writing and it's so important to me. I have to have an income and I have to have a steady income. So I said to myself, it's like more like a prayer. I said, if I'm going to be a secretary, then I'm going to get the best darn job this city has to offer. And I had that job three weeks later because I had said, stop resisting that I was going to be a secretary, which is what worked perfectly for me. I, when I stopped resisting it, it came right into my life. I love that. I love that. And I love supported, that. Yes, yeah, I love it. I mean, and it supported me for the next yeah. um, 18 years. Yeah. And and supported me very well. And all that time I was writing, and I was didn't feel under any financial stress because I had the job. So I mean, it was like, it, it was just, <laughs> it was like you know. And I think back now, I think you know, I I was so adamant that I wasn't going to be a secretary, and that was the and the and this being one was the answer to my prayer. I love that we're talking about this because you know someone was talking with me earlier today, and they and they said to me. You know, the other day on the radio, Pat, you talked about yes, that you were saying yes to everything. And what they said to me was, but that not that foolish? You know, isn't it foolish of you to say yes to everything? And I thought to myself, I don't even understand that question. And, and, and the reason that saying yes to me right now or saying yes, I think really talks to the way you've just explained it. I have to tell you, I didn't really have an understanding of what I meant until you just shared this conversation about resistance. Mm. I love that if we look at our lives and we stop doing something, because, you know, you actually have to put some effort out, don't you, to, to resist, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. You do a lot yes. of effort, if it, especially yes. if the universe is pouring it into you, pouring <laughs> it into your life, you know, one, one opportunity after another, and you're saying no, 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 no. <laughs> That's exactly right. You know what it reminds me of? This is funny because I've done this. Have you ever have you ever been in your car? Well, you don't live in Seattle. If you lived in Seattle, this would be a perfect experience because we have a lot of hills here. So you use your parking brake a lot, right? Uh-huh. Have you ever been in a car where your parking brake is on and after 10 minutes, you know, 10 minutes of just cramming the gas down to try to get the car to move, you you just finally realize, "Oh my gosh. Here I am trying to go 90 miles an hour, but my brake is on." Uh, actually, and I so literally, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a great analogy. I love that. So yeah. what is it that we can learn from, or what did you learn about lifting the veil, so to speak? And really, that gets to the question of the title of the book, Walking Through Illusion. Yeah. Um, you know, how do you describe this illusion? I mean, it's almost like the movie The Matrix, in a sense. Well, the illusion is everything you see. I mean, the illusion is the picture. Mm-hmm. It's the, I mean, the whole world. I mean, any, the illusion is anything that could be here today and gone tomorrow. Yeah. And the That's reality. That's all of us, by the yeah, way. And the, yes, exactly. And the reality is whatever is felt in the heart. Because that what is felt in the heart, I mean, I believe what is felt in the heart is eternal. 
So mm-hmm. that's what was with you before you came here, and that's what you will take with you when you leave here. So the purpose of this game is to expand your heart. Mm-hmm. So that you leave leave with a bigger heart than you came here with, and you come here with the challenges that you think will expand your heart. I mean, I believe that we, we plan our journey. We plan who our parents will be. We plan the people who will give us the challenges we think will work for us to mm-hmm. – um, to walk through the illusion of what the picture says to find the love that has the picture. And mm. um, so, you know, I have, I have, when I was growing up, I had a really hard time getting along with my mother, and um, I was for years angry about it and blame and blame. first half of my life was all about blame. And when I started to take responsibility, what that really meant to me, taking responsibility, was going back and finding what I had learned and how I had grown from the influences of my mother. And one of the the biggest thing that hit me so squarely in the eye was that if it hadn't been for her philosophy that I disliked, I wouldn't have thought so hard to have a philosophy I did like. And finding the philosophy that I did like is what turned my life around. So her, her influence, you know, I like to think of the people who are probably the hardest for us to get along with are probably the people who love us the most because they're giving us the biggest challenges to somehow find what we're here to do. So because in the scheme of this this world, this illusion, one of the things that um, I'm often struck by is how often these days we're talking about our gut. And I want to just go through this for a little bit because I, even though while I read the book, I the word wasn't used, intuition, gut, and I don't think that often. There was so much of what I heard being said here that was aligned with what you're saying, follow your heart. So here's, here's what I am so interested in. Uh, you know, there is this idea about emotions right now. You know, we hear... Um, don't respond emotionally, don't do this emotionally, emotional intelligence, what's your IQ, what is your EQ, I don't even know what we're calling it anymore. But yet at the same time, we avoid emotions, we over-exaggerate them in a lot of ways, and yet we don't really understand their true connection to the heart. So I want to ask you, what have you discovered in this journey in your conversations about emotions and their connection to the heart? I think emotions are the heart. Mm-hmm. I think they're the instincts, the heart, the core of you. And I think the core of you and the instincts inside of you are the, are the God within you, are your soul. Mm. And um, the more you connect and, uh, and you allow this, um, your instincts to lead you and guide you, the more you're in touch with this God within you and the more you, you become whole because the union of the two is wholeness. Mm. I wanted to ask you a question uh, around um, a, a com- many of the conversations you've had. Jesus has been quoted as talking about greater, thi- greater things than these you shall do, and it's said many, many ways, many other ways. And I wanted to ask you if there is a place in the book where you asked him about that. I don't remember. Mm. Um mm-hmm. I think that we're each here for a purpose, though. We're each here... For- uh, for our own purpose, and we each have um, God within us, and um, no one is considered greater or lesser in God's eyes. Um, we're all equally important, and I believe that everything is God. Um, everything is energy, and energy is God. So um, uh, I, I don't distinguish between um, 
the tree and me being mm. anything other than God. Mm-hmm. It's energy. And it's energy. And in, because we yeah. are, we're energy, and we mm-hmm. that's what this, um, you know, I think when Jesus said, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, he said yes. said this to people because he, he wanted them to treat each other kindly for their sakes because he knew it was the only way they were going to get what they wanted. Because whatever they put out into the, into the into the universe was going to come back to them. Maybe not from the person they gave it to, but it was going to come back because it was that was what was in their aura. That was what was in their energy field. And so whatever was in their energy field, they were inviting the universe to give back to them. And it had nothing to do with punishment. It had nothing to do with revenge. It just had the universe thinks that you're love. So the universe thinks that anything you express is love. So it gives you back the love you give to others, thinking you want it. However you describe it. I mean, you may, if you're, if you're rude and, and, and unkind to somebody, you may think they deserve it. The universe is saying, so what? If that's what you describe as love, that's what we'll give back to you. Right, right. It's what goes out is what can, what's going to come back. Yeah, it's very all about impers- yeah, very it's impersonal. All about very impersonal. Right. And so that, that, you know, that's for me, you know, this is really sort of, you know, the conversation as a young child that I intuitively knew. And and honestly, I'm kind of like you. The first half of my life, I don't even know what I was doing. Um, (laughs) You know, when you're pointing fingers at other people or looking back at your life, like, you know, it really just sucks and everything. I mean, of course, that's all your time. You don't have time to be present for much else. But the, the question I think that that you raise and that I want to ask you about is about Jesus. You know, many people are referred to Jesus as the Savior. Many others refer to Jesus as the man. Others refer to him as the teacher. And so in your in your writing and in your discovery, you know, how do you describe Jesus? He was a man. He, was, he lived his life the same as we're living ours. He's just mm-hmm. willing to go a little deeper, uh, maybe sooner than the rest of us have, but we all have the same potential to do what he did. I don't think there's anything special about Jesus. He was just a man who was very into um, uh, uh, going his heart and is going deeper. I mean, he had he was very curious. Uh, the third book is I've, I've written is about um, I'm, I'm almost finished. It's about his life specifically and his traveling and stuff. And but all through the process of doing this, Jesus has reassured me over and over that he was a man like every any other man. That we all mm. come here. That God that God shows no favorites. That we we all come here. Um, with a heart to conceal, and we all have uh, we all have a chance to use our energy in whatever way we want to, whatever way we believe we should use it. We have free will, uh, but he's no different than anyone else. I mean, he he says the minute that you make him special, you separate yourself from him because you're making him different than you are, and he 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 wants to connect with you on an equal basis. And yet what we have is, and, and this is kind of the question, and it's a, sort of a religious question, you know, and, and yet we have religions around the world saying that, you know, more now than ever, it is so important we connect. Um, we end prayers in Jesus' name. And so yet it seems kind of confusing, right, that, you know, here we have Jesus, the man that and God and, and how close you know, we're told we need to connect, and yet we seem to create the divides. You see yeah, what I mean, I'm you saying? Can, you can connect to any any energy you want to, any spirit. I mean, you could just, Jesus is just a name. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have, so, I mean, people are, other people are out there writing with, with other spirits guiding them, and the writing is just as, you know, it's beautiful. So it doesn't, it, it's just a name. You can, you can connect to any energy that you feel um, speaks to you. And but I don't believe that Jesus is any special. He's not special. Specialness is what separates you from other people, um, and not not unifies you. You know, when you say people are different from you, you automatically uh, go into resistance. Let's talk about truth for a minute. Um, there's a chapter in the book about truth, and and in in a conversation that you had about truth, and I actually found it very compelling, very fascinating, and also a conversation about Thomas that I didn't expect. So, you know, when I said to you that I read some things that I didn't expect, this was one. This was the chapter that totally changed my view of things. You know, the, the question and the conversation is around truth. And you ask Jesus, do you struggle with your truth? And and I think that is a question that so many people right now are asking themselves in so many different ways. And feeling the inner struggle by A, not being true to who they are, and, and B, not really even having a sense of what the truth means. Can you talk a little bit about why this conversation of truth was so important to you? Well, because I think it's everybody's truth has validity. There's a lot of there's a lot of talk. I agree with you. There's a lot of talk about truth, and um, I believe everybody has their own truth. I I really do. Um, there, I'm sure there are people who would read this book maybe and think that um, it wasn't the truth for them, but it is my truth. And so everyone has their own truth, and I don't think it matters what a person's truth is as long as they enjoy what their truth is. Uh, I, I just I think I think. Um, you know, everybody has to seek the one truth. I don't believe that. You just need to seek your own truth. You know, your whole life is comes out of what you believe and what you do and what you feel. So you, you are creating your own life from whatever truth is meaningful to you. I don't think it's, I think, this. you know, um, you cannot just, I would, if I would give any advice to the people who are listening to you, I would say, listen to what you, you know, let Absorb what you hear, and if it means something to you, it feels right to you, then it's for you. If mm-hmm. it doesn't feel right to you, it isn't for you. And that's that's all you can do. I mean, everybody has something. People come here to live their own truth. I mean, a person who comes here to be Buddhist, it, it isn't their truth to be a Christian. It's their truth to be a Buddhist because that's what they wanted to experience this lifetime. This is what they thought would have meaning for them. This is what they thought would expand their heart. So that is the truth for them. But it's not. But everybody has their own, and you can. And it can be anything. It could be anything. It could be your truth is your love for for nature and your your desire to be around nature. And nature nature speaks to you. Then that's your truth. Mm. Were you surprised when you asked the question, "Who challenged you to honor your truth?" Were you surprised at the answer? I was. Were you surprised? I don't remember it was. Was it Tom? Thomas, Thomas challenged me. Yeah, yeah, challenged him. I guess because he was always constantly um, doubting. He was constantly. Uh, I, I, the picture I have of Thomas is that whenever Jesus was getting together with people, he was constantly the needle. You know, that the one who was needling him with more, one more question, one more yeah. pushing him, pushing him, pushing him, and um, and and uh, because he was searching for what was right for him, um, and and. Um, 
And and Thomas had to find his own truth. He had to find what was right for him. It didn't wasn't necessarily what Jesus was giving him. It was what he needed to find for himself. And I don't think well, then Jesus was. What's interesting is that Jesus didn't always realize that, because um, mm-hmm. he had his own growth. He had his growth to live too. I mean, this book, if anything else, can help can show people that Jesus had this journey very similar to other people's. That he wasn't he wasn't always. Um, this enlightened soul, he he had to take his journey to find his way. And he had some people that, you know, at some level, some would say, would keep him honest. And I, I, I love that I have someone in my life to do that with me. I really do. Mm-hmm. And it takes courage to stand up in the, the, the guise of friendship. It takes courage to be able to say to someone that you care about, look at this is what I see this is what I want to know more about you know what is it about your life what is it about what you're doing and so I wanted to to ask you about this book and you know what is sort of the vision that you have for those people that are going to pick it up and are going to read it I mean I know what my personal experience was and and honestly you know it's the kind of book that you just don't read you know you pick it up you you go to a page you put it down it intrigues you. Um, you pick it up again, and you think about it. You think about the answer. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Yes, mm. I do. And um, I guess the one thing I would want people to know is that, um, that they have the power to live the emotional life that they want to live. And um, it's all about what you decide who you decide to be. I always tell people who say they're looking for somebody, they want to find that one romantic person in their life, and I said, well, what, who do you want this person to be? And so then they mm. give me a list of who they want this person to be, and I said, now that's who you need to be because that's mm. how you will attract this person to you. And so mm. the, the book is about giving, empowering the reader. It's about empowering the reader to know that they have they have this, ability to create the kind of life that they want. And it's not about creating the picture of the life, because if you expect the picture to bring you love, you're going to be disappointed over and over. It's mm. about giving the giving to others exactly what you want to get back. And then and as you put yourself in the position of power, you create. You you are the one who is creating what your life is going to be. And, but you have and this, to be honest. So there's a big, there's a big thing here in about honesty. But being, being willing to say, if you have a, a very unpleasant mirror of a person in front of you, um, they're mirroring something in you, and it takes honesty. You don't have to talk about this honesty with other people. You just have to be honest with yourself to say, uh, what is it about this person? In fact, I can tell you something personal in my life that happened with this. If, if you want to hear about it, I would love to. When I first started writing, I, I was probably a little bit patronizing because I thought I had all the answers for a while. You know, everybody should be uh, listening to me because I had all the answers. And so I was, I, I, I was, I hate to admit it, but that's what I was a little bit that way then. And so I was working and, and, and there was somebody at work who was being very patronizing with me and it was really getting to me. And so I came home and I said, you know, why is this happening to me? Why do I have this person in my life? And the first thing that I, the Spirit told me was, to, well, now, how is, this, how is this making you feel? And I said, it's making me feel invalidated. It's making me feel less than I am or, you know, less than important. And so it said, who are you making feel this way? 
And I immediately mm. knew who I was making feel this way. It was a friend of mine who was going through something in her life, and I was busy telling her exactly what she should be doing and how she wasn't doing it right and blah, blah, blah. So I mean, as soon as I realized what the mirror was and how this person was mirroring something in me that I needed to look at, it put me in a position of power where I could stop behaving that way because I was aware of it. You know, you can't change what you're unaware of. So once I was aware of it, I could change it. And then when I met this person at work, well, I, so, I, so I did. I followed through and I started giving off something else to this person. And when I, was, when I went back to work and this person was still in my life and they were still patronizing, but it didn't bother me anymore. It was just like it went right, like whooshing right by me. And I just said, oh, there they go again. But it, there was no impact in my heart. So this, wow. is what, this is what the power is all about, that if you are willing to face the people, face the truth about yourself as mirrored to you and other people, um, then you will be in the position of power to do things differently and create a different mirror. Mm. You know, this has been um, a wonderful conversation. I want to just let everybody know how to find out more about you and how to get a copy of the book. Uh, Betsy Thompson is my very special guest here on the Dr. Pat Show. The book that we are referring to, which is just a series of incredible conversations, Walking Through Illusion. And you can find out more about this. And the blog that, Be- that Betsy actually referred to is available on our website. Just go to BetsyThompson.com, BetsyThompson.com. Um, I-, I wanted to, you know, kind of bring this to um, this place of current times and current events in a lot of ways. So much conversation about 2012 right now, what it means and what it doesn't mean. And um, and certain traditions that are talking about this, about rebirthing and renewing. And so I, I, the question I want to ask you, Betsy, is, you know, how do you define and describe the time we live in in terms of this heart-opening place of love? You know, what is it that all of us uh should be doing and what i mean by that is people say this is a call to consciousness this is conscious raising this is this this is that and i wanted to ask you how do you view the times we're living in and the times and the the places we're going to be going in the near future i think we're headed for a rebirth um i think that we're and you know i believe that the earth reflects us and we reflect the earth so we're headed for rebirth too but the earth is um is going through the process of birth. Um, and birth is often painful, especially if prenatal care has not been has been ignored, which is the environment, our environment has been ignored for a while. But like any birth, it has labor pains and, and like and labor pains intensify as the birth approaches, which is what we're seeing in nature right now with all the floods and the volcanoes and all that. Um, and the birth itself is often dramatic and messy, but after it's accomplished, then relative calm prevails. So I think this is all what this is, this is, the birth, the earth has gone through a rebirth many times, and it's going through a rebirth again, and it's a healthy thing for the earth, and so we're attitude, our attitude should be to go with the flow, that this is what the, the earth needs to restore itself in order to continue to exist, and it, and it exists for us, for our benefit, so that people here can come here and to play this game and, and renew themselves and, 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 and expand their hearts, and so, we need to say this is what's happening. The earth is going through rebirth, and we have to need go along with it and understand what's happening. And and um, and it it doesn't have to be a horrible thing. It can be a wonderful thing. 
It all depends on how you look at something. If you, it's all about resistance again. If you resist it, if you resist it, if you ignore what's happening, then, well, then you're going to be living in resistance. If you welcome it and you open your heart to it, then you're going to be in a different place. And so isn't the idea of rebirthing, and, and just the very, the, the word, right? When we're talking about rebirthing, it really means that there is something that is changing. Yeah. And what my experience of change is, and I, I believe me, as many times as I've been through it, talk about it, have helped others go through it, there's always something that has to, that we have to let go of. And so I wanted to ask you, what was your conversation with Jesus around the idea of letting go? Um, you have to let go of the old if you are going to have the new come in. You have, um, it's like you have to have in your heart, in your soul, in your mind, uh, if it's filled with thoughts of, of, um, of hatred or envy Mm -hmm. or, then you have no room for love. So you have to let go of it. You have to find how you grew from having the feeling. It isn't like you're a horrible person for having them. You're just human. You have emotions and you have, you have feeling them. But if you can see how you, you have benefited, how your life has benefited in some way from this person you feel is so awful or whatever, um, then you have made room in your heart and your soul for new thought. And that's a rebirthing in itself. It's, it's you're yeah. like you're rebirthing into a more loving place. And, yes. um, that's what it's all about. Well, I mean, I, I certainly love the idea of all of us coming from that place of love and heart. And, you know, certainly the conversations and your writing and, you, you know, your vision is really presented, I think, so many wonderful openings for people to really see a different perspective. And I want to thank you for joining me here today. Uh, and and I, I'd love to ask you, what is your personal message? What do you want to leave us all with today? And thank you, Betsy, so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. Well, I, just, I would like to just remind people that um, would you rather be with a person who is happy in their beliefs or would you rather be in a person who is miserable in their beliefs but believed with some, what someone else told them to believe? Who do you want in your life? Do you want people in your life who are, you know, happy and joyous to express themselves? Or do you want people in your life who are resisting and holding back? So be the person you want to meet. Be the person you want to, you want the world to reflect back to you. Mm. Thank you so much for joining us here today. And um, I've, I'm sending everybody to your website, Betty, uh, Betsy, BetsyThompson.com, and also, um, you know, the blog. You have blog, you have Facebook, Twitter, all of the above. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us uh, on the show today. And I want to thank you for uh, being true to yourself and being true to the journey that's called you forth. Well, thank you very much. I've enjoyed being on the show and loved hearing about your story, too. It's very interesting, isn't it? Who knew that, you know, a number of years later, there would be a conversation that you and I would be having about what we consider to be the truth of us. Right. Wonderful. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for tuning us in and turning us on. I want to just tell you the book is Walking Through Illusion. Uh, Betsy Thompson is the uh, author of the book, and uh, as she talked about, she's going to... Betsy, what's the next book you're writing? I know you mentioned it several times during the show. Can you tell yeah, us a bit? Yeah, it's called Mind, Mind, Heart, Wholeness. 
That's the working title, Mind, Heart, Wholeness. And it, it's mm. about the, Jesus' life specifically, and um, a lot of the, it's a, uh, has a lot of about his years of travel in it and the people he met while he was traveling and how he had some uh, important things happen to him during that time. So that's what it's about. And it's in the same format. Mm, excellent. Well, I can't wait for, for you to be putting that out here. Thank you for joining us. Everybody, Betsy Otter Thompson, the book is Walking Through Illusion. And honestly, we I barely touched on the surface of what's in this book. Um, get a copy for yourself. Connect with Betsy on our website, our blog, Facebook, Twitter, all of the places. And remember, all of us get the opportunity to do, as Betsy said, and we get the opportunity to let go of the resistance. So is there a part of you that you are resisting that is absolutely calling to you to be in your greatness. I hope that you heard something today that's going to help you open up your heart, open up your mind, and let yourself be carried forth as we all can be to contribute to something greater than ourselves. We'll see you all next time on the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. Strange soul.